Hello, citizens of the Imperium, and welcome back to Horus Hour. I, my name is Singh, your host, of course. And with me, as always, is my venerable sigilite, Varela. Hello there. How are you doing today, Varela? Doing alright. Cool, cool, cool. So, today's episode, get straight into it, is a short story episode uh, talking about the uh, excellent short story, I think, uh, Call of the Lion, which... Um, sits perfectly in between the two main episodes we're doing at the moment. So we've covered Descent of Angels, and this takes place in between that and Fallen Angels, which is our next big novel episode, which is very helpful that I owned the anthology that this is in, um, Tales of Heresy, which I highly recommend um, people get. It's got a real nice mixture of stuff. And this this is a really interesting topic that um, I've sort of thought about myself a little bit, but haven't really... Uh, explored uh, or had, had seen explored which is the the mixture of Terran Astartes and um, Calibanite like, Calibanite yeah like local um, sort of Astartes and that's what this story is basically all about it's um, so for context Varela hasn't read the story so I'm going to be sort of articulating it to him uh, and his job is sort of to sit here in awe uh, at my incredible storytelling skills. I listen. That's uh, it. <laughs> I'm all jumped up on caffeine, so I think we're going to be good to go. The so Call of Call of the Lion follows a couple of characters, one of which I'm hoping because you're currently in the process of reading Fallen Angels, you might recognise. The main character is a guy called Astalan. Uh, yeah, it's a he's a chapter master, right? That's correct. That's correct. So. This takes place. The story takes place, obviously, given the nature of the sort of what what's at the heart of this story, is is after the lion and Caliban have been found, and with enough time that um, you know that Calibanite Astartes have have been given rank and have started making their way into um, the, the Legion and sort of are out there in the Great Crusade. So Astalan himself is not actually a veteran he uh, uh, too much he is now a chapter master but oh, it was only for, uh, for only 14 but for an astartes that's nothing only 14 years ago he was a sergeant so he i think as the legion has sort of expanded uh and they've had to divert resources to caliban to help with that expansion astalan has been promoted and he has been on a sort of four or five year outing basically um out in sort of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, looking for, um, you know, traces of humanity, which is what the Great Crusade was all about, right? Was the recovery of planets that have humans on them that were lost during the Age of Strife, or Old yeah. Night, Old Night, isn't it? Um, so already we've got an interesting story. He, we, we get a little bit of rivet counting. They're mostly in mark ii plate because of how far out they are how long it's been since it's since there's been a resupply which i know is a big issue with varela your other favorite legion the white scars are sort of in a similar position at the start of the heresy they're very much they've been out of contact so a lot of mark a lot of scar white scar models are actually in mark ii like their upgrades are mark ii some of the only mark ii bits you can get which is tragic please bring back mark ii <laughs> Look into the sky right now. It's going to happen. 
Um, Heresy 2.0 is going to bring him back. He said it. He said it. He said it. Not me. <laughs> I'm not liable. But yeah, I mean, it's it's coming. It looks like Beaky's as it stands. But uh, anyway, he, he's obviously he's heard a little bit about Beaky's as well, a Mark IV plate, I think. Uh, he's just like, well, I ain't got any, so I don't really care. And he is at the head of a small fleet in his ship, the Spear of Truth. Um, and he's got, you know, he's got a pretty rough and ready group of veterans in his in his ranks. Terrans, they're, so they're all Terran uh, Astartes that are under his command. So that's important going forward. And they arrive in a backwater system called DX six one nine, and they were drawn by a very faint signal. And some t- a lot of these signals tend to be nothing. They might be like a reverb of of, a, of another a stronger signal bouncing off a planet, or something something along those lines. Very unlikely that there's going to be life. Spoiler alert: there's life. The um, so the task force are are actually becoming less and less confident. They kind of start arriving in systems now, and they're just kind of like, oh, is our Geller field about to explode, and we're all going to get our skin laced offers like in. Indiana Jones? No. Oh, okay, well, whatever. They're kind of a bit complacent now, almost. They're just so convinced they're not going to find anything out here. But they, when they arrive in this system, that signal is weak, but it is an actual, art, you know, a user-generated radio signal um, from the fourth planet in system, and it's unlikely to be automated. So essentially what we have here is they're now quite confident that they're going to get, they're going to find some humans and as we all know, Varela, comply or... Or die. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's essentially what this whole book's about, which is which is good, because I do like a good Great Crusade story. Um, there's obviously not too much wriggle room, though, in given what decisions the Imperium will allow a planet to take when it comes to compliance. It's basically you do or you don't. But this is still still quite interesting. Now, he he's like, well, we're going to have to do something about this, and we're going to have to go down there. I'm going to have to contact the other chapter master. Now, the other chapter master arrives. They haven't actually met yet. They've spoken on, like, you know, Zoom calls, basically. Corona's kept them apart as well. Yeah, they've got a long-distance relationship going on. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And everything seems amicable, though. They seem to... They don't don't dislike each other. And this guy arrives. He's called Belath, which I don't think we're meant... I don't think that's a name that's cropped up again yet. Um... But Belaf uh, comes onto the ship and instantly Astalan is like, what is that? And he points at his shoulder pad. And um, they, on his left shoulder pad, I believe. No, no, on his right shoulder pad. I made notes, see, made sure that I didn't mess this up. Right, he's still got his here, the symbol of the order he was part of before he joined the Astartes. And it's called the Raven's Wing. Which I is that not part of the Dark Angels organization? Inevitably, I think that's uh, how. The, yeah, yeah. They they eventually develop like I think it's three different wings. It's the Death Wing, uh, it's the Raven Wing, and it's the third one that I can't quite. Recall I think I I just to make you even more excited that there's more Dark Angel stuff. I'm pretty confident there's seven wings. In fact, in the Heresy, I think they scale back oh. in 40k because they probably need to. They'll, otherwise, like everyone would be part of a cool wing and there'd be no tactical marines. No, yeah, you're right. I, I do remember reading something about him. I don't remember the uh, 
I don't, I don't remember all the wings. I just remember the Death Wing and the Raven Wing because you know they're they're yeah. the ones that are, that are most talked about, I guess. So Raven Wing are like the in 40k are like the jet bike and like flying dudes. Yeah, they're, flying, they're the fast land boys. speeders. Yeah, the go fast. Um, the Death Wing are obviously like the Terminators and the Elite, and now Blade Guard veterans, which I think is very cool. And then another one I know of in the Horus Heresy that will crop up later when we do the Imperial Secundus arc is the Dread Dreadwing, not Death Dread. Yeah, I, and they're really they're like the Devastators, and I don't think they make it into 40k. Anyway, so maybe we've seen an origin story of the Raven's Wing a little bit here. They don't fight like them or anything particularly. There's nothing to suggest that just yet they're they're what they turn into. But this guy, Astalan is kind of a bit straight away because obviously Astalan's a Terran. They've been doing things a certain way for a long time. It's uh, he's kind of like, well, what's what's up with this guy? And then he sh- he's, he thought that was that was bad enough. He sees the other shoulder pad, and he's like, what's that? And then it's so it's all painted green, uh, and it's got like Calibanite symbol on it, and it's basically Belaf is a little bit. Belaf is actually quite on the defensive straight away, and he's like, "Wow, this is our, this is to remind us of where we come from." It's basically the the lion has ordered everyone from Caliban to use the dark green that we see on the forty k Dark Angels um, as an identifier, sort of remember your roots, remember where you came from, sort of thing. Which I think is, I mean, I think I've made it pretty public now, but I don't actually rate the line at all. Uh, and I think he makes a lot of just like um, human error. A lot of and, and a lot, he, don't, he clearly doesn't have a lot of social skill because he, he's like, oh, well, let's make a, a definitive divide between everyone by having guys. It's something as simple as dressing different to the Space Marines the dark like the Terran Dark Angels that's going to be a big deal they're going to be like well we never did that so I don't know what this is all about don't trust those Calibanites but for now Astalan and Belleth they're getting on okay because obviously they've got a job they've got a job to do um, and Belaf Belaf is quite gung ho and that's sort of his main trait because obviously in a short story you can only really give characters maybe one or two traits and essentially the yin and yang of, of this story is that Belaf is very aggressive and Astalan is dropping like truth and wisdom bombs all the time, trying to get Belaf to calm down because Astalan's done so many of these compliances. He he sort of knows what works and what doesn't. And sometimes, uh, sometimes the Astartes will need to go to war. And when they do go to war, they need to be absolutely devastating. They need to obliterate their enemies in as quickly and as calmly as possible so as to just completely knock the enemy off their feet and hopefully get a quick surrender from the world they're trying to take whereas you know that might not necessarily always be the correct decision so yeah Astalan drops a lot of wisdom bombs early on and they're, all the Terrans sort of point a laugh at Belleth because he just wants to drop pod onto the face of the planet without knowing anything because all they've done so far is just sort of moved over to the planet that's worked nicely before hasn't it yeah I didn't <coughs> <even>. <coughs> All right. yeah i think it was my legion i think blood angels went there first is that right yeah rest in peace not cool um but it made saltarvitz someone of worth 
so I think that's worth it. Um, murder, murder, murder. Just look at my notes here. I mean, it's a lot. Before they go down to the planet, it is a lot sort of discussion about how, how and when and why Astarte should wage war. I'm trying to sort of take Belaf in under the wing of the veterans. It's not like there's not a lot of push off so far, which is good. Um, and basically, they identify what they believe to be like a farming settlement on the planet. And so Astalan is like, I've been cooped up on this ship for five damn years. I am going, I'm going, and I'm going to go for a walk. So it'll be socially distanced, and it is essential exercise. I am going. So they're like, okay, off you go. So he, so Belaf stays on board with all his Calibanites, and, and uh, Astalan takes probably like sort of like a company-sized task force. And something I've noticed again and again, I'll bring it up when we do Fallen Angels, for some reason, the Dark Angels novels just seem to do like organization and tactics and strategy really well. As, as a military history graduate, it's sort of um, I always find it interesting when they go into that sort of detail. Ultimately, sometimes, right, they're just the book is going to be the two forces smash into each other, Istvan five style, and they just see what happens, which I do like. But sometimes it's also interesting to see like the sort of tactical analysis of a space marine because they're not. They're not inept. They're not the Hulk, unless they need to be. Unless they're the world leaders as well. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the world leaders. By this point in the short story, if it was world eaters, we'd already be in the capital city, like, gutting the cha the leader with a chain axe. Um, and then worry about what happens after. But Angron uh, would have probably been blown up, like, three times and wouldn't care. Yeah, Angron would probably be several hundred meters in the air, having been, like, knocked out by an artillery or like he's probably riding an enemy artillery shell up into the air just screaming <laughs> uh it's like the opposite of dr strange glove where the guy rides the bomb down angron actually gets picked up in orbit when the artillery shell leaves the planet um anyway astalan he arrives next to this to this farm and so he sends out a bike squad it's a bit like the ultramarines movie so like the bikes there's a bike squad and a couple of land speeders are, are waiting nearby in case they need help and the bikes go off, and basically their goal, I should have said, their goal is to um, approach uh, some poor farmers and basically go, hello, we are the external uh, galactic empire that you have no concept of. Come with us so you can tell us everything and then put them on a spaceship and bring them back up for interrogation, uh, which would probably make me brick myself. Um, so they... So they go off, and, and he's also got like a sort of half company of guys uh, in, he keeps saying a drop ship. I, I'd like to think it's a Storm Eagle, it's called the Harbinger, but I don't want to, I don't think it ever explicitly said, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to claim it was, but it's got a lot of guns and it can take a hit <laughs> from based on what happens. So basically these jet, these jet bikers, Astalan moves to set up a little command post, and basically as soon as he gets there, there's an explosion, and the bikers call back, and it's like, hmm... It seems it is not a farm, but a military installation. And so basically they've like, it'd be like the equivalent of like landing in Fort, Be like 300 meters outside of Fort Benning is basically what's happened. Um, they've landed outside this massive military base and it all kicks off. So the the bikers start getting attacked, so they start withdrawing because obviously they're not very good at, at fighting a proper battle. Um, but the Dark Angels, they don't panic. They, they run through the motions a little bit 
but Belleth in orbit, Belleth is like, I I see the lights. I I drop a nuke on this bad boy right now. Uh, I'm I'm about to ruin this base commander's whole career. Time to drop uh, the exterminators on him. Yeah, you've got five seconds to get off a plan. Oh, too late. No, not quite. Luckily, because Astalan sort of talks him down. Um, Astalan's like, well, why don't you just get your troops ready in case I need help? And Belaf's like, my troops are ready. I want nothing more to go down than to send all my troops down onto this planet and destroy everything. Anyway, the bike the bike squad have now started to get pinned down. And on top of that, basically some enemy jets come in and they start bombing the landing zone, including the dropship. The dropship like, takes two bomb hits and just shrugs it off. It's like, oh no, I've lost one of my eight guns. I believe is what happens to the Harbinger. So, but basically, it just keeps blasting. It's the whole, uh, oh no! Anyway. Yeah, the Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, but naturally, now, I don't think it's that common to get a drop on the Space Marine, especially veteran Space Marines. So Astalan now is starting to get a little bit ticked that this is, this is a situation. He's starting to think this isn't how it works. So he starts switching on, based on that wisdom bomb he drops earlier. He's like, if the Starties have to fight, be violent, be quick. So he starts running through the motions to overwhelm the incoming enemy. Um, and the enemy aren't actually anything special. They're sort of like in overalls, but they have they have decent weaponry, and and one of them actually hits Astalan right in the head, and it was hard. I believe the round penetrates. So basically. He goes all a bit dizzy, which isn't, which is not good. Um, you don't really want your commanding commanding officer to be getting a severe concussion in the middle of a battle. Uh, I guess it happens to the best of them. Uh, he finds, although even though he's like half blind at this point and has a concussion, he still pulls out his pistol, basically blind fires at where he estimates the shots came in from, and hears a load of screaming and some squelching. So he assumes he's hit something, um, and yeah, and he's he's actually a bit. He's a bit injured. And then, to top it all off, uh, some tanks start rolling in to the, to the landing zone. Some enemy, So the enemy is, is... I don't know. They've landed in the middle of something. I don't know. Apparently, they don't have cameras on these uh, on these spaceships because they're like, it's a farm. And then it's like, well, these, are, these tractors, they have some big... I don't know. What would they... What tractor has a cannon-shaped thing on it? What would that, what would, what would that tool be good for? Maybe He's like trying... one of them harvesters, you know, they got like the little thing that goes forward and then like it, uh, it just rolls over the thing, you know. Uh, maybe it's a leaf like, blower. Oh, it's just oh, a leaf blower. Tractor, these tractors. <laughs> why is every tractor equipped with a giant leaf blower, brother? But uh, yeah, so Astalan. That, so now it, and then and then artillery is coming in. So basically, Astalan is being subject to a full, like combined arms assault. And Astartes are actually starting to go down. He starts losing, like some squad leaders start um, becoming injured, mainly from the artillery and from the tanks. And for a compliance battle, I think this is probably the most balanced we've seen so far. Like every time we've heard about a compliance, even when they're fighting alien people, like alien, like the lair, the Empress children don't seem to have that big of a problem fighting the lair towards the end. And these guys are nothing like the lair. Yet here they are, and they're basically beating back these Astartes, and they're actually probably quite likely to end up killing most of them. And fortunately for Astalan, some Castalan heavy bombers, which I haven't heard of before, but they sound cool. I like to think of it's probably like a flying castle. 
Um, and I wouldn't put it past the Dark Angels or the Imperium to make that. It's actually just a homebrew for Asylan's chapter, specifically. You just went like, what word is really close to Asylan? Castellan. Let's make a bomber out of it. <laughs> the Castellan, where heavy bombers can support the Bastelan tanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, these things come in, they're like strategic bombers, and they just decimate the incoming attacks. And, and and something that we hardly ever see, Astalan has to withdraw. Um, Belaf basically says, "Well, oh, I'm just going to keep these bombers coming. You get, you get off the planet because you failed." And Astalan's, "Oh yeah, I guess I have." And so they, so they get back on this harbinger, which is, seems to have taken several like Moab bombs, and is fine. So that tough cookie lifts off, and they've killed the enemy. Have killed three Astartes, which I guess. Given that it's a human style race, which seems to have like probably what like twenty first century style equipment, almost it's like some combined arms. They're not particularly nothing's written down as particularly special. To kill three Astartes very early on in the campaign, not great. And basically, Astalan gets back, and he gets back, and uh, there's transmissions coming from the planet now, and basically. Belaf has been listening in to these transmissions the whole time. And what we get to learn is that the planet is basically almost like Earth. Several several sort of like subcontinent-sized nations, so like super nations, um, two of which are at war as it stands. And basically, I like what Gav Forbes done here. I, I don't know if it's deliberate, but he's basically, there's like a League of Nations-style body, and they're trying to like communicate with the Astartes. And Belif's like, Belif's like, this League of Nations style body is useless. No one listens to them. And I'm like, you're not wrong, Belif. You're not wrong. Nobody does listen to those organizations. Um, so it's nice to see that even in the 31st millennium, like unification bodies on planets don't do anything. Um, but they reckon that maybe the these people can get the heads of states all in one room to have a conversation and belaf it can, now we this is where we obviously see it start to see things unravel a little bit because astalan now has thought right we've got a bloody nose but they haven't walked away from the table we can bring them back to the table almost um get ourselves at the table start dialogue and belaf is is going for world eater maybe he should request a transfer and he's like get get down there and start wrecking heads i want to go now uh and uh and there's basically an, an argument ensues as to what happens and my notes here from when i was listening say astalan and belaf clash belaf wants to talk to the lion so basically belaf is like oh i'm gonna go tell dad about what's happened here and then he's gonna tell us to invade because i'm right and then, Ast- and then and my notes say here, Astalan calls him wet and makes him angry. That's basically what happens. Astalan is like, if you go to the lion, you're a wimp. And then Belaf calls him a coward for the withdrawing from that first battle. And they, they have a little bit of a... Astalan sort of pushes him against the wall. And it's like, oh, no, I don't want to... F- it's kind of like a half fight. It was a bit disappointing, to be honest. I, I would have preferred a bit of a bit of a scrap you feel like Astartes probably if they're gonna have like a, a little ad hoc fight they probably go until like a rib's broken or something given how tough those guys are 
But why does it sound like the start to a very, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to continue, to a very corny, uh, film you'd find on certain places on the web. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's probably more my, uh, storytelling rather than the book. The book is good. The dialogue <laughs> is, the dialogue is interesting. Uh, and it's a, it's a clash of not just ideology, but sort of tradition. Because it's kind of like um, the Knights of Lupus on Caliban, right? They were given a chance, they didn't take the chance. They started a war, and the Dark Age, and the, the Order then finished it, right? They didn't. They were. There wasn't any attempt to to talk to the Knights of Lupus once it had kicked off, and that's sort of where Belaf is. He's sort of still in that mentality that it's all a bit total, you know, courage and honor and all that. Um, then so yeah Belaf basically blames Astalan for the failed recon mission uh, and Astalan is like why don't you do one for a little bit and I'll I'll try and sort this mess out so we sort of have a time jump of two days and Astalan is now at the table via comms still not literal table um, with lots of these planetary leaders the League of Nations have actually managed to pull something out of their ass so basically that's what it's not actually called the League of Nations, but it's a lot of science fiction words that I don't want to have to say every time. But I'm telling you, man, if aliens show up, all of humanity will ignite because the us and them will then become us versus the aliens. And that's kind of what's happening here. I, mean, I that, don't know if you agree. That's our special weapon, dude. We're just training on each other so then we can beat someone else up. Yeah, that's... It's all just big training exercises for when the spirit in the sky shows up. Exactly. Uh, okay, interesting way of thinking about it. But yeah, essentially that's what's happened is now that there's an overall threat to the planet, suddenly everyone's willing to talk to each other because they can't continue with their little wars because they might get eliminated. Um, so there's a summit. Woohoo! A meeting! It's um, <laughs> my excitement for bureaucracy. Um, so... Belaf and Astalan decide to go down as the leaders because they're both chapter masters, although Astalan does technically have superiority. And Belaf asks Astalan, or he sort of says, look, I think we should put uh, the sort of chapters on standby to attack the planet should anything go wrong, worst case scenario. Astalan's like, fine, that is tactically sound. So they go down and it's kind of a split crowd obviously it's kind of like comply or die some people are not necessarily on board with that but then they start offering rewards and incentives for being loyal so now the some people start to go in oh now hang on a minute telling me i could get a load of moolah and someone else does all the difficult work now we're talking and so this starts some some more people start coming over to Big E's side. That's how he does it. Art of a deal, man. <laughs> Gonna give these guys an offer they can't refuse. The best trade deal in the history of trade deals. Excellent! Exclamation mark. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the. But one nation refuses. Why? Because she has some space radar. She's like the only country that has it. And she's detected a load of ships in low orbit, which is not where the ships were when Belaf and Astalan left. 
So basically now, oh, uh-oh, someone's moved the ships. Who could have possibly done that? You know, Wait, does are you the little... me there's like a rat on board or something? No, I'm telling you it's Bella. Oh, okay. So is Bella a rat? Hold up. <laughs> I don't think he's a rat. He's just... He's he's not a traitor, first off. Can't be a rat if you're a loyalist. That's... I'm I mean... incredibly biased. I'm incredibly biased over here. You can't be... <laughs> Can't be a loyalist rat. They don't exist. But no, he's in some ways, I guess. Yeah, he's basically he's rigged the election almost because he's he's put he, he and he sort of goes like, oh, I didn't know they could detect ships in low orbit, and cue the sitcom like laugh track and musical ending. Uh, but basically, it all kicks off, and you can sort of imagine where it goes from here. The the leader who has detected their ships says, we should take hostages. And so she calls in her guards. And then Astalan's like, whoa, hold up. But as agreed earlier, Belif and Astalan agreed to have a contingency force rigged with teleporters. And Belaf is basically... What's basically happening here is Belaf is still acting within his purview and his rules of engagement, but he's obviously been dreaming about this and schemed his way to make this happen so a squad of cataphracty terminators teleport down into this room and when i sh when i say charnel house i don't mean it lightly i mean it's basically like hundreds of people in normal robes and some like ceremonial guards versus 10 to 20 terminators i yeah oh, you mean 10 to twenty thousand, right that they're not the iron <laughs> hands they're not the iron hands they don't have that many Terminator armor pieces of armor. If anyone was going to have that much Terminator armor, it would be the Iron Hands. I'm, I'm just saying. It's all, it's, the logic is there. Let's make it happen, GW. Warhammer Plus, Lawmasters. I'm just saying we could do an episode together. The Morlock Terminators of the Horus Heresy, 10,000 of them. Let's make it canon. Get me my we goddamn all, Morlocks. <laughs> we all want it to happen. By we, I mean me. There's probably someone else out there. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen anyone who's an Iron Hands fan, by the way. Yeah, the, you the two or three of them out there, you know. <laughs> one of them that's being just, that's just the Iron Hands left. That's just the Iron Hands left from the uh, from the drop site massacre. They're the only fans. All three of them. Yeah, that was a weird one. In 40k as well, there aren't a massive amount of Iron Hands. I don't know if it's their rules, whatever, or maybe it's just because they got absolutely smacked up at the drop site. Although I got to give them props because they were the only ones who kept going. Everyone else, everyone else was like, "Oh, we should do a tactical withdrawal." Ferris like, "Shut up, man." Uh, I need more ammo, man. The iron hands are like, "We have iron hands, literally." Come on. <laughs> they probably like they pro the iron hands probably have like little arms on their backpacks which can like either pick up dead space marines ammo and give it to them, or probably just make itself. So it's uh, they've probably got a little like thing on the back of their backpack that makes ammo. And it's automatically those from. They've actually got like a microcosm in their backpack, and it's just Minecraft, and it's constantly like mining and crafting them more ammo. Oh, God. Or Rick and Morty style, it's just a load of little people in there. Yeah. But uh, to get to return back to the story, I mean, there's not much of it left. But uh, what essentially happens now is Belaf. It's just like you could. You you haven't listened to the audio, but you can, but I hope you can tell how this Belaf guy is acting because it's he's like, well, it's all gone wrong now, and I mean we've got all these ships in low orbit, 
with guys ready to go. I mean, I don't think there's any salvaging this, so I think we should just invade the planet, Astalan, to be honest. And Astalan has no choice now at this point. I mean, they're like they're just chilling out in a corridor where the Terminators are trying to fight off these security forces. And so he's like, oh, fine. And he looks out the window at this beautiful city, kind of like, almost like Mediterranean, I imagine it. They're sort of like houses in the cliff in, in like the cliff face and stuff it's, it's something like, and then like a plasma round just annihilates like half a city and it's like oh man it was that could have been a really nice place to live and then the drop pods follow in dark angels everywhere and then just you couldn't hear it but you just knew that there was going to be a lot of gunfire and screaming everywhere and so he afterwards they go back up onto the ship or or it takes place in the hall um, it doesn't matter really but Astalan is like mate I'm going to make sure that you get your just rewards for this because this oh this was not what I intended at all and Belloff's like well joke's on you because I've already told dad and he's not happy you're going to get punished and so basically he's gone and snitched um, to the lion about how Astalan engaged the enemy and then still tried to go back and on the fighting and get a peace deal and basically like which isn't very cool so yeah so uh, and do you know where astalan is now in fallen angels yeah i've already uh i'm on like chapter 14 uh, and he's already gone on onto some places with sahariel so yeah but he's obviously now on caliban as a um as a trainer, so he's part of the the castaway contingent. I don't know if there's any more linked together if, with him, but like after this, I don't think so. I think we've got the jump is he gets in trouble, and then he appears in Fallen Angels, and I don't know the release order either. So whilst it is in between the two books, Gav might have written it afterwards just to sort of give Astalan some background. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, an interesting short story which sort of examined parts of the, the Great Crusade that we don't really get to see, the sort of rules of engagement showing that the Astartes do have limits. And I guess maybe there are loyalist rats. I might have to... I mean, let's face it though, we all know which loyal, where their loyalties are probably going to lie in a couple of books' time. It's not going to be with the Imperium. So maybe Belaf is a rat. Kind of looks like Astalan's going to be a rat as well. I don't know, man. Uh, Astalan, he's been, he's been chilling out with uh, Zahariel a lot, and I, I already have a theory. I haven't finished Fallen Angels, but I think I've already sent you a message to prove that I've had this before I finished reading the book. Uh, Do you want to tell me? It. Do you want to? You don't want to tell me? I, I, you I, should tell us. You should tell us because then I? you can react to it when you when we do Fallen Angels. I, I, I seriously think that uh, Zahariel and Nemuel are going to uh, trade places, essentially. So, uh, Nemuel is currently by the side of the lion, uh, just campaigning in the Great Crusade, and Zahariel is stuck in Caliban. Uh, but Nemuel is starting to doubt the lion more, and Zahariel is starting to doubt Luther, Luther more. So, mm. I'm almost 100% sure that they're going to trade places. And Nemuel is going to become a fallen angel, and Zahariel is going to keep being a dark angel. Mm. There you go. That, that's my, that's my little well, theory. <laughs> those who have 
those who know Zaharil and Nemuel's story will probably be sitting there with an expression of some sort, probably making a noise that uh, means something. But I can't tell you what, because you might be... I mean, they might be like, wow, I can't believe Varela figured it out. Wait, what? <laughs> so are you be. saying I'm right? I, I... I mean, I'm making an expression and a noise right now. I mean... Mm. You can't do this to me, man. <laughs> Just I mean, I know you love cliffhangers and unexplained uh, plot. You're trying to make me read faster. So what did you th- what what did you think of a short story? Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a close parallel to the Knights of Lupus in the way that uh, Belloc essentially does the same thing that the lion does to them, which is just incite war on purpose to then just be able to destroy them completely. Uh, and it kind of shows that the lion's kind of dumb sometimes, you know? He pulls a couple of Rogal Dorns slash Imperial Fists uh, moves, I guess. How uh, so? Oh, I, I guess because he just took Balaf on his word uh, and then sent, you know, punished Astalan. Uh, mm. Even though Astalan, you know, he was in the right because it's all of these warring nations and technically they've only engaged one and haven't even talked to the rest of them. Yeah. Uh, and they had a chance to, you know, at least unite the rest of them all. Um, and yeah, Balaf just went. I mean, oh, the only that. person who's. The only person who disagreed with it vocally, she only did it because she detected the warships. Yeah, exactly. That's what yes. I mean. Which kind of points towards Balaf already knowing that she had this tech, in my opinion at least. Because he wanted it. He did it on purpose to incite a response. Uh, yeah. But but again, yeah. e- even with that one person not agreeing, or that one nation not agreeing, they could have still, you know, taken the rest of the planet pl- peacefully and just invaded that one nation. Exactly. And yeah, they, they probably just, could have just. They probably could have let the. They could have just been to paid the other nations off to kill hers. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they wouldn't even have to have landed. But uh, no, it's. One thing I kind of want to see now, is, Dark Angels Heresy fans. Did you, and like, collectors, did you know about the Caliban green thing on the shoulder? And also, might you start doing that now? Because I don't think I've seen that, because obviously the Dark Angels web are quite cool, because they web like jet, like sort of dark black. Dark black. But you know what I mean. Dark it's not black. A, it's like a deep black. It's uh, if you paint it as a model. Because when you paint black with GW paints, you can sort of do like a lighter black or a water, you know, Abaddon black, which is as black as you can get it just get so, some fanta black bro fanta black yeah i'm still wait- i'm still waiting for citadel paint sprite cranberry no 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 F- fanta black was uh the darkest black you could get it was like a phantom a hole. no no no. it's fanta like the drink yeah the drink company fanta created the darkest color no no and it's no longer the darkest color by the way but okay it's Vanta, Vanta, not Fanta. My bad. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to say. That quite the technological advancement there by the Coca-Cola Corporation. <laughs> the R&D department. Trying to get you to like look, look like you're drinking a black hole. Just like negative light. You just <laughs> look, at the, you look at the fridge that it's stored in. It's like all the colours sucked away. Like <laughs> you look at it and you go, you go blind. Your eyes can no longer receive light. <laughs> It's like Interstellar, man. If you drink Phantom Black, you can go back and contact your 
childhood memories. <laughs> if you haven't seen Interstellar, that's going to be Oh, you've watched it? I didn't know yeah. if you've watched it. Insta okay, good. Good. You haven't watched School of Rock, though. I have not watched School of Rock. Pray for Varela, guys. <laughs> the, um... Yeah, I, I, I'm really pleasantly surprised. I, was, I think we're quite fortunate that we had a short story which so directly tied in with the two Dark Angels books and also um, I thought it did it did a good job. I kind of want to reread like at least the Astalan parts of Fallen Angels now because he's because you obviously got the character development of Zahariel from the previous book and Emil, but Astalan didn't really he was just a bloke in the book. He's just a character, but now he's got a bit of backstory and given where he's ended up it's kind of interesting given that he's a Terran but uh, yeah I mean we're just going to have to wait and see if you're right about your theory on uh, Fallen Angels there certainly interesting pain looks at camera uh... anyway I hope you've enjoyed this uh, short story episode we will be back next week with Fallen Angels tie up our Dark Angels theme for now but I'm sure they'll return uh, I've been Singh. Thank you for listening. It's a goodbye from me and from Varela. I'll see you. Bye now.